0: Hi, everybody. My name is Hafa Lombardino, and this is Translation Confessional. What is the most fundamental tool translators have? Yes, our language. And we must be the grammar and spelling police, not only when we're working on a project, but also when we're communicating with clients or interacting with peers online. We must use our language as well at all times. With that in mind, one tool I've been using for a while now, and I do use it constantly, is Grammarly. I've activated it on my email so I don't make any mistakes when sending a message to a client, I also have it available to me in Google Drive, so I can use it when reviewing my students' translations into English or when I'm writing my own articles and brainstorming podcast episodes. And because I do translate into English very often, the premium version helps me keep my last draft sharp and ready for delivery. If you'd like to try out the world's best automated proofreader, visit bit.ly.com. Slash T C grammar. It's easy to remember. TC stands for translation confessional followed by grammar. Once again, you can visit grammarly at bit.ly dot L Y slash T C dash G-R-A-M-M-A-R. Keep your English sharp. Misaligned Languages, Part 2. In Season 1, Episode 18, I talked about some words that were borrowed from English and are currently used in other languages with a different meaning. I call the episode Misaligned Languages because I see this phenomenon as just that two languages that are not aligned when it comes to the meaning and function of the very same word. Some people were confused, thinking I was talking about false cognates, also known as false friends, but that's not it. False cognates are words that look alike in different languages and mean different things, but it's more of a coincidence, not necessarily because a term or expression was borrowed from another language and took on a new meaning altogether. Classic examples of false friends include embarrassed in English and embarazada in Spanish, which actually means pregnant. and has nothing to do with embarrassment. Another example is actual in English, which cannot be confused with actual in Spanish and atual in Portuguese, since both mean current instead not factual. Moving away from English, there's also palestra in Italian, which means gym, while palestra in Brazil means lecture. So, the examples I just mentioned are false cognates. Now, I'm going to go through a long list of suggestions I got when the Misaligned Languages episode first came out. Let's start out with some computer-related terms, since technology moves so fast, and having English as a dominant language in this field, other languages end up borrowing terms from it and kind of applying them differently. The first one is laptop in English, which is used as notebook in Brazil. Is notebook computer understood in English as a portable computer? Yes. But the more popular name for it in English is laptop. Is lapitopi understood in Brazil as a portable computer? You bet. But chances are you hear Nochibuki more often if you talk to Brazilians about a laptop or a notebook. Another interesting one is USB drive, which we use all the time for storage, right? Well, Please respect me and my gray hair now, because back in my day, I used floppy disks, both the five and a quarter inch and the three and a half inch versions. So, zip drives were revolutionary when I was in college, and external drives for storage were simply a luxury. So, USB drives were invented, became popular worldwide, and are referred to as pen drives in Brazil. They don't really look like a pen, but I can see how the term became popular. And then came cloud storage, so USB or pen drives will soon become vintage, right? Here's another interesting one. You know those overhead projectors teachers and speakers sometimes use to project slides onto a screen during a presentation? We call it data show in Brazil. Is data show understandable in English? Yeah, kind of, but it's usually followed by the word projector anyway, because data show is the adjective that qualifies the type of projector being used. In Portuguese, it just became the actual name of the object in many cases. There's also one that may cause some confusion for international travelers. And I was reminded of it by fellow Brazilian translator Andresa Medeiros. So if you have an unlocked smartphone, that is, one that you can use with local carriers wherever you may be traveling to, what you need is a SIM card that will allow your phone to use the service of a local phone provider. Well, in Brazil, we simply call it a shippie, that is, a chip. Whenever I'm in Brazil, I get to buy a prepaid SIM card so I can use my regular phone. All I have to do is go to a phone provider kiosk or store at the mall, or even a newsstand, to buy a Shippie. Now, if I'm traveling somewhere else, let's say the UK, and I ask for a chip for my phone, I might get a puzzled look, because what I should be asking for is a SIM card instead. Last one in the technology-related segment, and it's a fun one. Screenshot. Especially nowadays when there are so many gotcha moments in social media, right? So a screenshot is usually referred to in Brazil as a print screen or print screen. The term is totally understandable in English, and it's the actual name of a key on your keyboard. Yeah, look at your keyboard right now if you're by your computer. Can you see it? It's usually at the top right corner, near enter, backspace, the numpad, to the right of all the function keys from F1 to F12. Yeah, so that's the name that's stuck with Brazilians when they say, dê um print screen na tela, to ask someone if they got a screenshot of some evidence that may be needed in the future. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Here are some more quick terms I was reminded of by fellow translators who listened to the Season 1 episode and contacted me directly, or referred me to a list that has been compiled on a Facebook group called Tradutores, Interpretes e Curiosos, that is, translators, interpreters, and those curious about the segment, which is affectionately referred to by TIC, or TIC. Tamara Barilli updated me on a funny term. I had mentioned how in Brazil we call a billboard sign an outdoor or outdoor. So Tamara let me know that Brazilians are now referring to the advertisement on a bus as a bus door. So it has nothing to do with a door to a bus, but the actual ads placed on buses instead. Mônica Aragão reminded me of how we say folder or folder in Brazil when referring to a leaflet, a flyer, or a small brochure. It makes sense, since we get to fold this kind of advertisement, right? Gabriela Coelho also mentioned how we call a crop top in Brazil by something that uses English words, but has nothing to do with this specific piece of garment. We refer to crop top as baby looky, or baby look. Yes, that's what we call this kind of shirt. Maybe because it's too small, like baby-sized, when worn by a teenager or a grown individual. Someone also mentioned how the term underscore, which we use when spelling out a URL, email address, or password, to indicate that little low dash is actually referred to in Brazil as underlining or underline instead. I actually remember that from my college days when I was giving someone my email and was corrected because I referred to underscore as traço baixo, as low dash. So the person I was talking to repeated it after me and said, underlining. Okay, then. Sorry about that. Another term that was mentioned on the group was step. The first thing that comes to mind in English is each step you take as you're walking, or each step on a set of stairs, or at an entrance, as in the expression, what's your step. Well, in Brazil we say steppi, or step, to refer to a spare tire. I had totally forgotten about it, but I've heard it many times in Portuguese. One very interesting misaligned term is Show. Well, first of all, I may be dating myself here if this slang is no longer used by millennials and everyone else who is younger than me and didn't live through the 90s in Brazil, okay? But back in my day, the youth in Brazil used to use it as a synonym for cool. So, that's cool became que show. It's also used to refer to music events. If you want to ask someone if they went to a band's concert the previous night, you'd be referring to it as a show in Brazil. In turn, when we say show in the United States when referring to TV programming, we'd call it a programa or program in Brazil instead. Now, after the break, I'll bring you some contributions from fellow Italian translators who shared a lot of terms with me after they first listened to part one of Misaligned Languages. Before we continue, I wanted to tell you about Better World Books. It's a great website to search for new and used books in several categories. You can find textbooks about translation, interpretation, and languages, as well as translated and original fiction and nonfiction. Some deals qualify for free shipping, which can really come in handy when you're on a budget. If you'd like to check out Better World Books, go to this webpage, bit.ly slash tc bwb. It's easy to remember. TC for Translation Confessional and BWB for Better World Books. Once again, the webpage is bit.ly slash tc bwb. Hope you like it. As I mentioned before the break, Italian translators contributed a lot of terms that are being used in Italy and were borrowed from English. Heather Watson actually suggested a couple of articles that I'm adding to this episode's description. One article is in English, and the other one, which is more extensive, is in Italian. So, check them out. I'll just mention some of the terms you may find in those articles because they were suggested directly in response to Misaligned Languages Part 1. Marie-Yves Rosset suggested the expression fare footing, or to do the footing, for jogging. I thought it was amusing because we call it "fazer in Brazil, which refers to the Cooper test that was created in 1968 by Kenneth H. Cooper as a military physical test in the United States. It's really funny how jogging became two different words in English in both Brazil and Italy. Now, the word jogging has another meaning in Italian, as Christie Redhead pointed out. It's actually what we refer to in English as leggings, so Italians call it pantaloni da jogging. Or simply, joggers. Another term that falls in this very same category is the word box. Sasa Colazzo reminded me of how Italians say box d'occia to refer to a shower stall. And my dear friend Selly Kifuri also reminded me of how we have box do banheiro for the very same thing in Brazil. Sometimes you use the term so often you even forget to think where it came from, you know? Now Italians went a step further and also used the word box for a closed parking space, that is, a garage, as indicated by Cynthia Caimi and George Young. Yeah. Sarabanati suggested flipper as the Italian term for a pinball machine or any arcade games. That's another coincidence where Italy and Brazil cross paths because we call these gaming machines. Flipperoma, and I think neither of them have anything to do with Flipper the Dolphin. Finally, Fulvio Novi gave me two suggestions for words that Italians borrowed from English. One is shopper, which refers to shopping or grocery bags. The other term he highlighted was recall, which, instead of meaning that a product has been recalled as in being collected by a manufacturer because of some issues that were later identified with it. The term recall in Italy simply means to call back on the phone. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I have a short list of terms in French that were also suggested to me. Danette Saint-Ange told me that re-looking, as in looking again, is used in French to mean makeover. So, if you get a makeover, you're changing your look, or re-looking, so to speak. She also said that French speakers use the word golf for cardigan, probably because people who play golf wear a cardigan when it's cold outside. Now, the interesting thing when receiving all these comments from listeners was that French speakers turned the tables on English and also suggested some French words that were borrowed by English speakers and became something else entirely. Donat pointed out that entree means starter in French, but it somehow has become the main dish in English. Michael Hall reminded me that matinee means morning in French but it's used in English to refer to events that happen late in the morning or in the afternoon, such as the matinee session at the movies, for example, whose tickets are cheaper when compared to the primetime show. And, even though I don't speak French, I'm always fascinated by the connections it has with the Romance languages I do speak. So it was a pleasant surprise when Heather Ross pointed out that the word, pardon my French, means earthenware cooking pot. But in English, it became the name of a UK brand for yeast spread, marmite. I've never tried this kind of spread, but I enjoyed learning where the term marmita in Portuguese come from. Because we've been talking about taking food to work or school in a marmita, as in the food container, not actually the cooking pot. And that was way before meal prepping became a thing in the fitness industry. Well, these are the terms I compiled after getting some feedback on Season 1, Episode 18, Misaligned Languages. Can you think of any other terms that were borrowed from English or another language, and they're commonly used in your language but with a completely different meaning from the original? Let me know, and I might put together a Part 3 of Misaligned Languages next season.